Yeah, it's just a bit full on, isn't it, Blue Milk? I don't do anything but halves. Um, I'm, I'm like Mr. Semi-Skimmed. That's my entire life. <laughs> I'm, I'm very much living a semi-skimmed existence. Living that semi-skimmed. I'm a semi-skimmed as well, Matthew. I think it's the normal person's milk, frankly. You know? Have you ever had Graham's Gold? No, that sounds disgusting. We work That's with it. someone called Graham. It d- does actually sound like I'm asking... Matthew, if he's ever been paid by Graham, which is a sore sting. Um, No, it's a type of full cream milk with a gold top. No, or gold top, yeah. I've I've heard tell of, but no, just semi-skimmed, I think, is fine. It's nice. You've got, you know, uh, a bit of body to it, but like anything above that, and it's just like drinking custard. Might as well just be drinking a pint of cream. <laughs> what I love about milk is I, f- I feel like it really interacts with like the foods you've eaten. Like if, you, if you've just eaten a load of chocolate and then drinking a load of milk, it like it, it feels different to any other drink. There's no other drink which has that kind of uh, sort of cleansing. It feels like it's cleaning your teeth in some way. Um, Have you ever rammed a load of dairy milk in your mouth and then taken a big mouthful of milk and just sort of chewed it all up? I haven't, no. Let me recommend it. Food and drink it in the same mouthful? No, no, no. Separation of church and state. Listener to the Electronic Wireless Show, episode 131, the best bosses in game special. This is Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion. I'm pretty sure we've done bosses before, but I don't care because it's fun to talk about. Yeah. My name, my name is Alice Bell, uh, and that voice you heard was Bruce Springsteen. Apparently, Bruce. My goodness. Hey. No, I don't. How does he talk? I don't know. <laughs> uh, and we're also joined by uh, Murray Bison. Uh, I will thanks. destroy you. Thanks for joining us, Bruce and Murray. Um, why Bruce Springsteen, Matthew? Is he like the He's final the boss. boss of life? Oh, the oh god, of course! What an idiot! <laughs> yeah, sorry. He's the boss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've I wonder. Shown did, my... did he give himself that nickname? No, know, it's probably like New Jersey guys. He's the boss. I'm not really a fan. He's not the boss of me, that's for sure, and he's not the boss of my music tastes. You know, one of the, the guys in his band was in The Sopranos. Yes. Yeah. Stevie Van Zandt. Yeah. Yeah, good lad. Um, uh, Just when they were out, wait. they pull me back in. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that in The Sopranos. I I loved like the the mobsters like liking the mob movies. Anyway, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So this week we're going to talk about the the best bosses in games, uh, which, as I said, I'm pretty sure we've done before. But listen, I can't be expected to remember everything. Uh, and uh, you know what? Maybe our opinions have changed. We don't stand by anything we've said. So, <laughs> uh, deal with it. Uh, but first, uh, how how are you, Bruce? You said. You texted us and you said that you had a pizza anecdote, uh, which well, I am I very I excited I very, for. I think I had a very boring pizza anecdote, is what I actually said. It's even more exciting. Um, yes, I've got a boring anecdote about pizza. Uh, last night, we ordered a pizza delivery from Deliveroo. And uh, we ordered, you know, two meaty pizzas. And they delivered us the wrong pizza order. Ooh. Yeah, so it came with a pizza and a vegetarian lasagna. Blimey. There was some real spice to the way you said lasagna there. (laughs) I liked it. 
And it it triggered uh, this quite awkward interaction with the Deliveroo uh, boy because obviously he doesn't want to come near the house because of the COVID, mm. and we don't you know necessarily want him in at the house. But I, I I could see it was the wrong order, and was like, "What do we do?" And he's like, "I don't know. I don't really know what we do in this situation." Um, and uh, so you know, we kind of that was all a bit awkward for a bit, and. And he had to deliver it. I couldn't complain about it until he delivered it. That's a weird flaw in the delivery system. Yeah. <laughs> you have to accept it to then say, I don't accept it. You can't say, no, this is the wrong order. You have to go, yes, this is my order, and then tell delivery it's the wrong order. And I, yeah, so I sent them, uh, uh, you know, a grumpy little message saying, what's the deal? I don't want to eat this vegetarian lasagna. Uh, Catherine was a lot more reasonable about it. She was like, I'll happily have the lasagna, but I didn't want the the pizza had parma ham. And I'm not a, I'm not a big parma ham guy. Interesting. Uh, we'll file this away for future discussion, the parma ham. Yeah, but it's, uh, like, it's, 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 a, it's like extra aged ham, isn't it? Desiccated yeah. ham. Let's just close this can of worms. Let's pack the worms back yeah, into the can. Anyway, I don't want someone else's old ham, basically. <laughs> That's the the short version. Um, yeah. I should have said that to the delivery lady. <laughs> uh, and, but they sent out a second order. Um, mm-hmm. But they get to keep the first order. So you had we had like mega food. So like yeah, I went I from being really did, angry but... to really happy. Like, but it was food that you didn't want. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because it's free. <laughs> so you'll eat it if it's free. Well, the thing is, they'd ordered a chocolate, the person had ordered a chocolate fudge cake, and I had uh, also ordered a chocolate fudge cake, so I ended oh up with God. two chocolate fudge cakes. My Incredible. loss was my gain, eventually. <laughs> but then, here's the final <laughs> twist. I told you oh. this was a boring anecdote. Yeah. Um, I ate the chocolate fudge cake, and it was horrible, and now I've got <laughs> another horrible slice to eat, so actually I'm cursed. I'm cursed. <laughs> Two bits of nasty cake. Oh, the twists. The ups and downs. <laughs> you know. I feel like I've been on a journey. I went from no cake to too much cake to horrible cake. Uh, I, I, you know. It's it was, so hang uh, on. It was... Did you then, once you realised you got to keep the other person's old ham and the vegetarian lasagna, did you eat the other person's old ham pizza and the vegetarian lasagna? I mean, yeah. Well, we ate a bit of it. We're keeping the vegetarian lasagna for like a later lunch. It's quite funny because they were like, dispose of it. That was their official instructions. They were like, dispose of the old order. And I was like, like nuclear what does that waste. Mean? Well, yeah. Like, hmm. um, so I was like, yes, we'll definitely dispose of it, secretly thinking, well, we're not going to clean it, are we? We're going to keep it. We're just uh, your system delivery. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but I've got extra puddings. We've now got a, a load of f- free food in the fridge. Uh, it's, it's been, uh, yeah, it was a pretty wild time. What did you think of the other person's old ham pizza? Uh, it was okay. Like the power of it being free overpowers, <laughs> like, you know, you can, you, you accept a lot when it's free, don't you? True. I just, it's occurring to me the same things make you happy as make vultures happy. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's Can you imagine true. Matthew's head on a vulture? Yes. But vultures love yeah. old meats. <laughs> they that's live also for old, true. That, that's like their entire deal. Well, no, they do like fresh meat. It's just you know. No. When do you they're, ever they're, see they're them? Capable. Eat? They can deal with ancient rotting meat, but I mean, give a vulture a slice of ham. They wouldn't know what to do with it. It's too fresh. We but need teach if any... a vulture to start a pork farm and it'll be fed for life. Wait, if anyone listening to this works at a zoo or has a specific vulture knowledge, could you tell us if a vulture would like parma ham or regular ham better? Please. What kind of zoo is feeding their vultures parma ham? Don't know. Mayfair Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> it's an exclusive zoo where the lions just 
are forced to wear monocles. They've got little monocles glued to them and they eat buckets of caviar. Have you seen that? Did I? I might have already discussed this with Nate. I might have already mentioned it on the podcast, but do you see that Pablo Escobar's um, hippos uh, have become an, uh, an ecological threat to, to like an entire country almost now? Oh, yeah. They're fascinating, aren't they? Because, like, most of his um, animals were kind of caught and rehoned, but like, Hippos, hippos are pretty hard to kind of catch and sedate and do anything with. So they were like, "We'll just leave the hippos." Um, uh, and now it's been decades later, and th- there are too many hippos. They're known as the cocaine hippos. <laughs> but- well, because it's like perfect for them there, isn't it? Yeah, it's so- of lovely wet water. So basically, for the first, for the last thirty years, like in Colombia, these coke hippos have been breeding, and just their numbers have have gone up and multiplied, and they're spreading through the the waterways of Colombia, <laughs> and um, uh, and basically they're having a huge environmental impact because they're not meant to be there, um, and the scientists have been trying to sort of curb their numbers by um, sterilizing them humanely. But that also takes ages because you have to like, because it's really, because hippos are obviously massive. So it takes ages to do any surgery on a hippo. And it's really difficult to tell where anything is inside a hippo and all that kind of stuff. So basically, like a bunch of scientists and like conservationists and, and biologists are just kind of like, please let us kill the hippos. <laughs> they just want to like shoot some of them. <laughs> Which, to, but like for the greater good. And I think it's fascinating. I like the idea they have no idea what's going on inside the hippo. That's what you just said. You're like, doctors are like, We're just, it's really hard to find anything inside a hippo. It's just a notoriously it nightmarish. Yeah, you have to rummage through loads of guts. And like, they've got really thick skin and like fat and stuff. But surely, yeah, link- bit, like, their lungs are in the same place in every hippo. Yeah, Hippos but I mean. Are basically, demons. But there are there is a blueprint for a hippo, a biological blueprint. Yeah, but you know that like the insides of any animal are not exactly like the plastic models that you'll see in like a doctor's office or whatever. Like it doesn't all stay in the same like. And also, they they're not humans, trying to. <laughs> no, well, I guess not. you'd know with your your chocolate mannequins. Well, you're not all just sloshing around in there. It's not like oh wow, this guy's lungs were in his like leg. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, there's a, but like there's a whole there's a lung space, and that's what your lungs are. Yeah, but like the, a a lot of you is kind of sloshing around. Like like you have so many intestines, Matthew. I cannot begin to tell you what's going on with your in- intestines. Yeah, and I have a pretty good idea where they are at all times. Yeah, but if you yeah, wanted to find guts, a, I'll give you that. <laughs> if you wanted to find a specific bit of your intestine, it would take a bit of rummaging around. I do not want anyone rummaging around inside me. I've had people having a good old rummage, and uh, uh, had like, yeah, I was I, I might have mentioned this before, but I had a terrible. I woke up from my um, I had a resection of my intestines because I have Crohn's disease, and they needed to cut a bit out and sew it back together again. And I woke up uh, in recovery from surgery, couldn't move my legs because they'd given me a spinal tap and uh, was really high on morphine and in quite a bit of pain. And the nurse in recovery described to me how she had looked in during my surgery and seen uh, them doing it and that they had pulled out, basically they pulled out loops of my intestines and like dumped them on my own chest. (laughs) And I was like... And I was like, why are you saying this to me? <laughs> That's what a horrible thing to say to someone. I've seen inside you. I've seen you a real... I, I had your guts out, though, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but I do actually find that stuff really interesting. Like, when I had a blood transfusion recently, I was like, can I touch it? <laughs> can wow. I hold the blood? But Alice, yes. did they find your glowing red weak spot? No, alas. Uh, 
my glowing red weak spot is under some layers of armor that you have to first chip away with some special attacks. Uh, what? Oh, right, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> So we are talking this week about uh, our favourite bosses in video games um, for possibly the third, fourth time. Who knows? You know. <laughs> um, but topics uh, slosh about just like your innards. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, who wants to start? Because what, well, Matthew? Let's go to you first because this was a topic that you were quite excited to talk about because you said well, you I love like, boss. I chat. like boss. Bosses generally uh, in games. I uh, don't mind them in real life too, um, <laughs> as long as they, you know, don't don't give me the boot. <laughs> uh, and um, <laughs> they, <laughs> uh, it's, it's good that we can laugh about these things, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I could listen to it for all of time. <laughs> um, but I often see, like, I think people are, are quite anti-boss these days. Like, whenever I see bosses brought up on Twitter, say, um, mm. I, I see a lot of people who are just like, ah, you know, screw bosses. We don't want bosses. You know, there's, there's never any good bosses. And um, I, maybe it's just from years of reading uh, John Walker on RPS, because he's, he's quite anti-boss as well. Mm. Um, was often many a game criticised for having unnecessarily difficult bosses or just, uh, I think people get, treat them as sticking points and are really against them because they just see them as these giant, like, pointless obstacles. Um, but I love a good boss. I love the spectacle. I love a sense of, like, everything being tested at once because I think that's what good boss design does. You know, if you ever ask developers, or I've, oh, I've often, I have asked a lot of developers in interviews about like what their philosophy about a good boss design is, and they often say it's like the point where they can like test. You know, it's the be- it's the biggest test of everything the game does mechanically. So, in on paper, it should be like the most interesting bit, like the most interesting version of those mechanics, maybe. Um, mm. But whether or not that people do them right, I don't know. Um, I'm sort of sad that people seem to have gone off like games ending with a mega boss. Like we're in this age now where everyone ends their games on like they'd prefer to end on like a subtle note. You know, it's almost like you know they end on a dramatic thing or a quite a human revelation rather than you know you kick Satan into a volcano, um, <laughs> which is how I like games to end. Um, so my pick. My obvious pick is basically any Platinum game Um, Ah. because they are the kings of bosses and they just end. No one ends a game like Platinum, but I particularly wanted to pick out the wonderful 101, which obviously came to PC last year, having originally been on the Wii U. Um, Have either of you played this? No. No, no, I've not. So this is like... The concept of the Wonderful 101 is that instead of controlling one action hero, you control a swarm of like a gang of 101 heroes and they yeah. basically join together to form giant weapons. So your different attacks are like the different forms that you connect into. It's got this big Saturday morning cartoon energy. It's really, really hectic, kind of rainbow colors, very Power Rangers. Um, and it's got this brilliant... Um, boss fight uh, against a thing called Walfar. The boss's names are like alien terms. They're all, they're all nonsense. But it's, you, you basically take over this little mech kind of mech robot guy and you're, it becomes, you're fighting this, this giant boss who's like a giant robot and it becomes like a spoof of Punch Out, the old Nintendo game, where you're like dodging his punches to, like, oh, cool. to knock him out. And what I love about this is you, you knock this giant robot out and he kind of falls over and uh, your, your fist gets like stuck in his jaw. And then you run all your little heroes from your small robot into the boss to fight like the guy controlling it, if that makes sense. So all these little guys run along an arm, go in, and then there's a boss fight inside the robot's head, mm. which I thought was absolutely brilliant. It was like a sort of kind, kinder egg. I feel fight. intensely like it's mid-afternoon, I've got the flu, and I've just had slightly too much cough syrup and fallen asleep. 
this is like a bloody fever dream. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's like the wonderful 101's entire deal, is it's, it's, it's incredibly hectic. Um, you probably don't need to put, I know, you should play it, it's a great game, but if you, if you just, I think this is like level five or something, if you just watch it on YouTube, because there's this level and it's just this mad mech boxing fight. And it, that's the thing, it's got that Saturday morning kind of crazy, whatever's going to happen next. Um, they've just got a great eye for like the drama of a boss fight combined with like the actual action chops. Mm. Um, that's really good stuff. Uh, I, I mean, Platinum, because Platinum have done a bunch of um, games where it sort of feels like there are kind of de- almost demi boss fights throughout. Like I kind of felt that with Near Automata. Um, Mm. Uh, but uh, I I do agree. There's a uh, it seems opinion is divided on where the bosses are good or not. I don't mind a boss. I think a good boss is uh can be a joy. But I think you have to. Yeah, I think the the structure of the game also has to support well, that happening as well. It's almost like in the wake of like you know. I guess like what Naughty Dog do, that kind of cinematic single player story adventure game, like the 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 emotional arc of that game doesn't really give you doesn't give a space, and lots of people hate this, uh, but it doesn't really give you a space to end with something mad. Like The Last of Us wouldn't make any sense if at the end of it you fought like a giant mushroom. You know, people would be like, eh, this is kind of dumb. Like you've un- you you know. Because real life doesn't end in boss fights. It ends on small, yeah. sad little moments. Um, Isn't but- death the greatest boss fight of them all? <laughs> 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 mm. Yes, that's, I mean, that's actually, profound. What, what but- is a boss fight? What? What? Well, we're talking about like whether boss fights are good or not. Like, how are we defining a... You know... Does I, it have I to would- be... I would say it's a um, difficult um, uh, battle with a, a very strong enemy that is unavoidable in order to progress in the game. I'd say a distinct enemy. It's not just a regular enemy type, although it can yeah. become a regular enemy type after you've beaten it. I think that is permitted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, weirdly. There's often a health bar involved. I really like it when the boss turns up and it stops and says their name. Uh, like, yeah. I like a boss that like <laughs> announces itself, especially if it's got like a subtitle. So it's like, you know, Mega Tony, and then underneath it says like he he's loves killed crisps. all the other Tonys. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this I was going to mention the Borderlands bosses. Yeah. Um, most of the games of bosses I've played have been on my PlayStation because uh, I, I haven't historically played many, like, shoot the lads games on my PC. But the Borderlands series, I've got a real soft spot for. And I don't think they invented that thing of the, the name slamming onto the screen, but I certainly unavoidably think of of the Burger Lungs franchise when I mm. think of that technique. Do we know who started it? Was it Guy Ritchie? <laughs> <laughs> I, as I, I mean, like, an earlier memory of it is, and it must have been done before this, but, like, o- Zelda Ocarina of Time, when you fought the bosses in that, it would say, like, Oh, here you we know, go, the Nintendo boy again. No, but it would be, like, <laughs> this guy, and it'd be, like, terror, you know, terror of the Deku Tree or whatever would be its subtitle. I'm not saying they invented it, but I, I that that naming technique is that's probably my earliest memory of it. Here comes Matthew thinking Nintendo the best at everything. Well, they invented a lot of stuff. You know, it's not my fault. I'm not, don't, I, I uh, Nintendo were good. Don't write in. It's fine. <laughs> so I, I was going to say the um, the warrior, which is the the gigantic like. Gazer at the end of Borderlands 2 mm. is to me pretty much. Is it my turn or have I just gotten no, really no, into the you go for it. I, I, I suddenly had a moment of intense anxiety that I'd just 
ripped like the microphone away from Matthew in the middle of talking about oh, something no, else. Oh no, no, it's good. it needed. I was I was getting into the monologue zone for uh, Wonderful One Hundred and One. Well, uh, yeah, the the warrior. I mean, because I was thinking like archetypical boss fights. It's a giant bipedal git. It's got you know, like you were saying, it's massive. There's spectacle. Uh, it challenges all the things you've learned, uh, and actually, if we're talking about like basically stuff describing me up. there, <laughs> <laughs> and also like you, it never feels unfair because <laughs> <laughs> that's always a huge thing for for bosses, isn't it? Like, um, you know, when when you feel that you are being cheated against, um, you know, and you have to rely on extraordinary luck or preternatural skill mm. rather than just solidly and focusedly applying what you've been doing the whole game, it can get really aggravating really quickly. Mm. There's like, cause it's weird. Cause there, there's in platinum games, it's often feels like actually, and this isn't true for platinum game. Let's go broader with broader boss fights. It often feels like there's sort of two types in that there's kind of bosses where there's almost like a solution that you're trying to work mm. out, like there's like a gimmick to defeating them. And then there's bosses which are like very pure skill challenges and they're just like yeah. very raw. And the skill challenges, I think, are brilliant when you get them right because it feels like a, an amazing duel. Um, and Platinum do this a lot. Like they have enemy, they have fights which like re- recur through the game where it's or specifically Kamiya. Uh, Hideki Cameo is very good at this in like Devil May Cry and Bayonetta and things like that, where you have like one character. It's often like you versus another human sized foe, and they're just like great face offs. Um, but when those go wrong, those are just horrible because it just feels like you're getting pummeled with, and there's like no art to it at all. Mm. I actually, I mean, I'm there are a lot of people who are very different, but to me, my favorite bosses are the ones that make you feel like you've just done something immensely skillful while actually it was quite easy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And the smoke and mirrors is it like, you know, um, I guess the classic thing is, is stuff like uh, semi scripted sequences where it looks like, you know, you're going to fall off a ledge, but you climb up just in time. And, and actually the games helped you out a lot, but you felt that your timing was perfect. Mm. And, you know, you can't go back and do it again. So the illusion's complete. I, I love, yeah, you know, I just like the feeling of accomplishment. I'm not really up for doing it over and over again. Mm. Well, I, this might be a good time then to talk about um, boss rush games because obviously if there are some people that hate bosses, there must be some people that just bloody love them because you have the existence of things like um, uh, Cuphead. Which oh, yeah. uh, is a game I am uh, very bad at. I do not possess the skill necessary to play Cuphead, uh, but I do think the boss design in it is really cool. It's really good. I've only seen the first like three in person, I think. <laughs> but like I've I've seen the others online. You know, I've seen them. I've I've seen videos of them. <laughs> oh, the other night I ended up watching. Oh, this just reminded me, like a really intense video breaking down everything about one of those bosses. It's like the sneering dice man. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was like this full deconstruction of everything about that boss fight. So I can confirm they're very good having watched that video. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, um, but but really interesting, like, that, that because it's just, re- it's really, really hard. And each boss has several different phases you see like um the um kind of uh betty boop-esque kind of um woman in it there's like a the the first boss is like a vegetable patch with a carrot that flings other carrots at you and Mm. then there's an onion that cries and you have to avoid the drips and stuff it's really really clever stuff a lot of it um there's one that you 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 fight him and in his final form he's like dead and then you're just fighting his gravestone um right near the start mm. as well really Yikes. good like 
I had to do a tips video for that for when I was doing the Xbox YouTube channel. I'm so <laughs> bad at that game. The idea of someone as bad as me offering anyone advice on that game is just absolutely hilarious. <laughs> that video did really well. Like it's still like one of the the number like the higher ranked tips videos for um Cuphead, but it literally <laughs> tips up to the point where I just couldn't do anything else. So that's why it stops where it stops. <laughs> <laughs> You get people like this guy gets it, and I'm like, we really didn't. Yeah, yeah. But thanks, some of us. Real good, real get it. I get it really well. Real, real good with the cuphead. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what I mean, what do do you guys think about boss rush games as a concept? I I personally like to have a I, I like to have a break between bosses. The problem I had with Cuphead is like the satisfaction of finally beating something after like twenty times or whatever. You're like, yes, and then you're straight into that grind again, which just yeah. isn't satisfying. Like, I maybe want that level of grind. I don't know if I ever want it, really, but I can maybe put up with it like two or three times in like a whole game. I don't want that to be the constant loop. Um, because I want a mix of that level of satisfaction and what Nate was talking about of like just wamping something that looks really dangerous in a really easy way so you just feel great. Yeah. I love watching boss rushes. It's one of my favorite types of video game entertainment to watch. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, it's in the same way as like a jaded Roman would like to watch, you know, desperate prisoners hit each other with lengths of rusty chain in a big circle. Um, I, I, yeah, it's, it's fun to watch. It is gladiatorial. Um, and there's, there's lots of, you know, thrill and very little stress. And someone else's frustration, you can feed off that. Yeah. Mm. I mean, there are some games that s- sort of feel like boss rush games, but aren't, I think. Like, um, we talked about it last week, but Dark Souls, well, I will acknowledge Dark Souls has good boss design. Dark Souls 3 has some really good bosses in it. Are you, are you just trying um, to win over all the people on Discord who felt upset that we didn't like Dark Souls? <laughs> no. Tr- trying to get some cred with the Discord gang. Shagar's Heart Squad. Um, yeah. Oh, oh. Sh- shout out I, I want to Shagar's say the Heart thing Squad. in a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, you can. But, um, but Dark Souls, something like Dark Souls or um, Persona, for example, I think like Persona, I can't I can't talk about many of the Personas because only like two of them are on PC. Mm. But like uh, Persona Five Strikers, for example, which I did think was a bit muddled conceptually in the end. Um, the standout bits you kind of remember are the boss fights, and you don't remember the sort of toil of having to get to the boss fight and go around the repetitive dungeon. Yeah. Um, you know, you remember the. The big fight with, I mean, the bosses in Persona Five Strikers are hilarious because, like, the the lads uh, get to be like a cool dragon or like a Tony Stark in a big mech, and then you know the first boss, Alice, is like a sexy Alice in Wonderland rabbit who's like clomping about on her hands and knees and has a big tail that says "Lick me" with a, stu- a tongue sticking out of it, like <laughs> 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 some like candy themed lingerie. Just what Carol wanted. Mm. <laughs> Um, Persona's always been like that though It's got like incredibly horny bosses Because um, there was one I, th- it's the, I think it's, the, it's not on PC The first one in Persona 5 Which is the like It's like this PE teacher Who's been kind of Sort of eyeing up all the girls Or kind of skeezing on all the, the girls On the volleyball yeah. team And he's, it's like him And he's like boxer shorts And there's always little tiny Sort of women in Sort of bikinis Running around um, sort of helping him and his, his little assistants. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> I'm now thinking about the, the Borderlands games and thinking how I would enjoy them if they took out everything except the bosses. And the answer is infinitely more. Mm. The thing that stops me playing those games is loads and loads and loads of wandering around a desert shooting dogs. <laughs> Listening to while banter plays over the radio. Yeah, and like, you know, it's it's fine, but 
I mean, maybe it's it's like saying, oh, if I think about all the times I haven't been eating a chocolate digestive in the last year, I'd happily <laughs> get rid of all of them. But then if you did that, it would just be a series of frantic smash cuts from biscuit to biscuit. <laughs> and they'd lose their joy. Actually, that's um, just reminded me that in Borderlands 3, one of the bosses is Penn and Teller, the magicians. Do you remember that? Actually- it's like them together, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, aren't they like a giant mech that's like voiced by them? Oh my god! I suspect it was actually them. Yeah, because Randy sh- Pitchford loves magic. He is. He's like Mister Magic. That's what he's best known for. <laughs> and that, and making his career disappear. Uh, magic. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Um, I did want to mention as well, as briefly as part of this conversation, uh, Monster Hunter, because I think. Something like Monster Hunter World is like Nate the game because <laughs> it feels like a series of big boss fights that you kind of have to prepare for and you trek through, you know, the ecological zone, the biome that this big, like, you know, inflatable bat covered in fur lives in. Uh, and it's all like, yeah, no, you have to appreciate the majestic creatures, but then also you get to skin them and make them into like a hat. <laughs> all the classics. The, 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 I th- I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but one of the very first things you fight in that is a big lizard. And when it spawns, the first thing it does is it basically eats this giant kind of gazelle thing. And after it's eaten a gazelle, if you punch it in its specifically in its stomach enough, it like heaves up, it just pukes up and then is sort of lying there and you can just kill it really easy because it's, it's <laughs> like post puke. It's really knackered like you are when you're sick. Um, yeah. But I what, used to- sparks up a gazelle. No, well, it's it's like digested it like super fast, so it it doesn't like puke up a whole gazelle. It it's just like slime bones. bones. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like a very good creature for grinding. It's very easy just to to, to pick away on it. So yeah, I I no, I've definitely spent several hours of just punching that stomach that thing in the stomach and watching it puke, which is like really <laughs> sinister if watched from afar. <laughs> How many hours of your life? Oh well, I don't know. I, you know not like not like an obscene number. Like, but like I'd say more than one hour of making just a thing puke over and over again is weird. <laughs> I'd say the second time you inst- like the first time you make something puke, if you then do it again straight away, it's already weird. Yeah, true. <laughs> the electronic wireless show after hours. The camera pans sedately <laughs> across scenes of Matthew just nose inches from the screen as he watches a lizard puke over and over again. (laughs) Fades to black, fades back in. There's me contentedly patting the key ring as I walk away from the shipping container (laughs) with Ken Loach in it. (laughs) Like the like the music from from the end of Goodfellas is playing like the montage of the (laughs) um uh, I would have asked uh, what we think maybe like a pen and teller mech would do if it went to an aquarium, but we have a an extra special aquarium slot this week, do we not, Nate? We do. Um, yeah, it's this is really mega. Um, one of our listeners uh, called Jacob Top Muggleston, I'm not certain that's his real name, um, wrote in and said this. In your stealth special a little while back, you suggested that Nate's dogfish guarding experience in the London Aquarium would make an ideal stealth game. I had to agree. While I didn't have the resources for the 3D stealth Dishonored like this really merited, I've done my best to fill this game-shaped void with a text adventure, Dogfish Heist. And then he's uh, set, sent a link to it, and I've played, and it's really funny. Um, I'll put, I've put a link in the Discord um, for the show, which you should totally join because it's a lovely channel. Um, but I'll put it in again for those of you just being reminded now. I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well so that anyone coming to the podcast via the show notes can play it as well because it's very there are so many there are many different Matthews you can be <laughs> I was Spanish Matthew 
Mm. Uh, the, there's an Alice Matthew as well, isn't there? I've played it several Alice times Matthew. to try and get a happier ending. But it's hard. It's quite hard. It actually, it very accurately reflects the, the playing as me does reflect the, the Matthew experience as I've known <laughs> it. Now it's life's pretty hard. <laughs> He's quite on your wavelength, isn't he? Mm. <laughs> yeah. He knows me better um, than I do. That's a classic so, boss thing as well. We're not so different, you and I. Mm, oh, isn't that like Kojima bosses and stuff, though? Uh, Who have like hour-long chats with you before, before the fight. Yeah, they do. I, I, a trope I really hate is when like the villain of the story isn't a boss. So it's just like a weedly kind of like businessman and you have to fight his mad mutant and then you just go and punch the businessman in the face after the fight. Like, that's very unsatisfying. I don't want to fight a henchman. I want to fight, you know. There's, there's like a million ways that a businessman can turn into a, into a boss. Like, well, he drinks a potion. Actually, there's that Metal Gear one where there's the senator who's just ripped. Yeah, but oh, yeah. he's full of like he's full of like nano machines, isn't he? Well, that is one way for a business. Yeah, to but get that's ripped. that's what I mean. I want a bit more like that. I want to fight. You know, it's a bit like in James Bond when the so many of the big James Bond villains are just you know businessmen who get whacked. That isn't satisfying. I want to see James they... Bond fight Jonathan Price at the end of Tomorrow Never Dies. You know, that would have been really good. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to see Jonathan Price in a fight? That would be awesome. Have either of you seen the? Um, I can't remember if it was just called Werewolf or Wolf. No, it was Wolfman. It was Wolfman um, from a few years ago, starring Benicio del Toro and Anthony Hopkins. Yes. <laughs> and then, Nate, have you seen it? No, but I'm interested. <laughs> oh, it's so good! It's a terrible, terrible, terrible film. And um, uh, Benicio del Toro uh, plays Anthony Hopkins' son, uh, and he is the Wolfman. And the and it's uh, a ridiculous like I cannot stress how ridiculous it is as a film. And and Benicio del Toro and Anthony Hopkins like neither of them make any effort to um, uh, make their relationship as father and son at all credible. Um, but like. Uh, oh, Hugo Weaving's in it as well as like this policeman with like huge hat, like sideburns, and I think he's the only person in it who is aware of what kind of film it's going to be when it's finished. Mm. Um, but like Has he he's got the sideburns with like a red herring, so you think he's the wolf? No, he has like a bold. He looks like Dum Dum Dugan in my memory. Um, <laughs> but um, he, so he's like trying to figure out who is tearing apart, you know various people because uh, Benicio del Toro is the wolf man but uh, s- spoilers uh, Anthony Hopkins is also a wolf man <laughs> and there's a scene like the boss fight at the end of this film is Benicio del Toro and uh, Anthony Hopkins sort of having a fight as their manor house like burns down around them and the- and there's a bit where they're both sort of half wolf manned up in prosthetic makeup just kind of boring at each other <laughs> And and you just look at the scene and you're like, these men both have Oscars. <laughs> yeah. Imagine being working at like in industrial light and magic and you look at what your job for the day is and it's like CG Wolf Anthony Hopkins. Like what an absolute <laughs> bust of a gig that is. Anthony Hopkins must have been pretty old <laughs> when that was yeah. like. The idea, oh, he's like, isn't he like a white werewolf? He's like greying, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, oh. uh, Terrible. Auntie, I think if you're bad enough in a film, they should be able to take away Oscars. I think that <laughs> should be a thing that happens. You should pay the price. You're like, that was an anti Oscar performance. And Anthony Hopkins Twi- has done a few of them. 2010. Emily Blunt in it as well. I forgot. She's like Benicio de Toro's love interest. Directed by Joe Johnston. Uh, yeah. One would have thought he'd have been able to make a better fist of I just it. Thought, I cannot... Anthony Hopkins and Benicio del Toro's father and son just it's, that, is a, that is a weird bit of casting. That's just, that's just bung everyone in and see what happens. That's 
Oh my god! The film was a box office bomb, uh, but it won uh, the surprised? Academy Award for it won the Academy Award for Best Makeup because <laughs> of the the Wolf Man. <laughs> you will believe Hopkins is a wolf. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins is terrible frights. Uh, <laughs> they turned me into a wolf. <laughs> oh my! God. Can you can you think of a? I'm trying to think of a worse father son casting. And I reckon Daniel Radcliffe and Sylvester Stallone <laughs> would be pretty weird. I'd this watch is, that film. The Wikipedia page is great. The Wolfman's Howl incorporated elements from rock singers Gene Simmons and David Lee Roth, as well as opera singers. <laughs> as well as opera singers and animal impersonators. It doesn't say if it featured elements from actual wolves. <laughs> Opera singers, nature's wolves. Oh God, it's so bad. Anyway, yeah, uh, do do check that out, Nate, because it's an incredible film. In the literal meaning of the word "incredible," you will not believe what you are watching. Warzone Audio Bank from our gun barrels directly into your ear holes. Welcome to your new favourite fortnightly COD podcast dropping in and sniping you from the side with all the latest Call of Duty Warzone goings on. Maybe you should have said Codcast. I'm James Law. And I'm Ed Thorne. Every second Friday we'll be dropping into the dance to discuss all the latest news and rumours from Activision's online juggernaut Call of Duty Warzone. And of course, we'll also be sharing our own stories from the battlefield, such as that time James ruined our chances of victory by jumping into a vehicle and alerting everyone on the battlefield of our presence just so he could play Aha's Take On Me. Now you say that as if I don't do that every single match. Yeah, true. So basically, come and listen to your new favourite Favorite Call of Duty podcast, Warzone Audio Bang. Available on all good podcasting apps at rockpapershotgun.com. New episodes drop every second Friday. Alright, I don't have a snappy ending to this ad, do you? Nah. Okay, uh, Warzone Audio Bang. Flashbangs through the door. I think it's about time, though, that we um, head down into the Cavern of Lives. I do hope that there isn't a Wolfman in it. But uh, we shall see. Oh, we should do the sting. Oh, yeah. The cavern. Oh, well, no, I just, I didn't put the, the thing on. Hold on. <laughs> the cavern of lies. Boy, re thrown off my strike by that. <laughs> <laughs> So today it's the Nate Cavern, isn't it? Not quite. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it's me. Electricity Cop's slightly more comprehensible brother. <laughs> fight man. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm a man, you have to fight. Oh do, no. Do do we have to? I'm afraid so. Oh no. <laughs> But it's okay. Do you see this massive red circle on my chest? Yeah. Yeah. All you have to do, right, there's a complicated series of, I don't know, bags hanging on ropes. (laughs) Right, yeah. um, It's so vague. (laughs) Knives, the bags of knives. Right. And there's, I don't know, very. Credulous children at the top of the ropes holding them up, and if you manage to astound them by detecting lies, they'll be so shocked they drop the ropes and the bags of knives will swing into my chest and I'll die. Okay. Right. So, um, I was thinking about archetypical bosses, and I think I've got a really nasty challenge for you here. <laughs> All right, okay. I'm going to give you a list of bosses from the Mega Man franchise, oh, no, which there's okay. like a million of. <laughs> and you have to, to guess the ones that are real. Now, there's a twist to this. If you get five right, the, the bag will swing into my chest and I'll die. Yeah. yeah. But if you get five wrong, you'll burst. <laughs> right. Okay. 
And what about in between? Uh, it just carries on until, until you get five. There's billions of these ideas. Oh, okay. So it's like a, oh, okay. it's like a quick, right, okay. it's like a fast round. Quick fire. Yeah, okay. exactly. Exactly. I thought that would that would fit the theme. Oh, nice. It's a boss really round. This is great. Well, the echo on, 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 on my voice makes me sound really sad. <laughs> yeah. You're a lot more casual, fight man, than I was expecting. From a, I sort of am imagining you sitting in a kind of smoking jacket with crossed legs. Right. <laughs> That's, just imagine that going on the whole <laughs> time, just to increase the tension. Are you ready for some bloody bosses? Yeah. Right then, you're ready to fight some bosses, by which I mean falsehoods. Yeah. <laughs> Then, over to you, Commencement Wolf. <laughs> oh no, there was a wolf down here. It's Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, he's the one who's going to burst you. Oh dear, okay. First up, Sheep Man. Uh, sheep Man? Yeah. Does Sheep Man fire sheep? What? No, he's quite a robust little fellow with uh, curly ram horns. Uh, I'm going to say that's real. What do you think, Matthew? That's, that's real. That's nice. Yeah. Oh, no, wrong, wrong sound. I'm going to give up the sounds. That was hard. <laughs> uh, you got it right. Sheep <laughs> man's real. Okay, stop, stop, stop oh. the sound. The sound of a very rusty door opening. <laughs> Success. Okay. Just like up. on TV game shows. <laughs> the sound of rust mean? What does it mean? <laughs> Says Bruce Forsyth. If you can hear the rust, <laughs> it's winning to- the must. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the post-apocalyptic junkyard price is right. <laughs> right okay, next, one, okay. I'm one-fifth dead. Bagman. Bank uh, or bag? Bag. Uh, I guess they false. <laughs> yeah, no way. That's yeah. so vague. No, oh, wait till you hear some of the others. He's got like a massive throat. That inflates and he breathes you in. Wait, is he real? No, no, he's fake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, burst man. No, no, I'm gonna say I I think this is real. I think he's gonna count on us thinking because burst is one of his signature words that it's not real. Because <laughs> he's ten percent burst jokes. Yeah, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's actually wise. I retract my my ooh la la. This is nice. It's reverse Nate bait. It's a double bluff. Burst man is real. He is real. I'm sixty percent dead. <laughs> so we got we got three right. We only need to get two more. This is great. Keep going. Okay, clown man. Ooh, tricky. Wait, did you say clown or clown? Oh, I thought you said clam man for a second. I wish. No, like a... <laughs> Now I don't know about this one. This has given me pause because Nate's background is quite clown heavy uh, <laughs> in terms of his content. Yeah, that is true, but I I could see there be like there's so many there's so many Mega Man worlds. You've got to remember the mm. bosses are like tied to the levels. Like, have they done a circus theme? They probably have. Probably have, yeah. He's, he's a robot clown. He's got a robot jester's hat. And he's got robot bells on his shoes. That sounds way too... I don't know if Mega Man's mm. got a level of graphics where you could see bells on their shoes. That's been I new. Think... That franchise has gone on a long time. I think it's real. What do you think, Matthew? I think there probably is a circus circus world. The bells on the shoes give me pause, but I'm I'm happy to go with nice too. Yeah, okay. I'm eighty percent dead. Oh uh, no. yes. 
I don't know why we're saying, oh no, this is good. We want to get it. bags are just yeah. smashing into my chest. <laughs> Have you no pity? Doesn't this mean that surely 80% dead is when you enter your final form and you turn into a slightly different creation? Yeah. Yes. That's exactly what's going to happen. Oh no, we have to pause while he does something to the voice modulator. Don't we? Yeah, I'm going to stick on a random one. Let's see who I am now. <laughs> God. <laughs> it feels like he's turned into a child that we now have to kill. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put the other one back on. <laughs> it's quite hard to understand you there for a hot minute, yeah. It's a bloody nightmare, this software. Right, come on then. Give us the next one. A, a boss who turns into his final form and then reverts because people didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just pathetic. <laughs> Pharaoh man. Oh, Pharaoh. Pharaoh, man. I mean, again, a sort of ancient Egyptian theme level does seem quite plausible. But I'm Pharaoh, sure man. Like is... Sandman or something. Yeah. Pharaoh seems like quite a complex idea for it to be a man in Mega Man. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say that's fake. I think, I think that's we fake. We can dispense with Pharaoh, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Anthony Hopkins, eat this Mars bar. Get yourself pumped up. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins is 20% ready to kill you. <laughs> okay. Alright. Ape Man. Ooh. Tricky. That's a tricky one. That's a tough one. Next Sounds feasible, but like it's apes. also like. That's like a dream, Nate, combination of words. It is. And also, <laughs> I can't imagine like the. The level that he would be in is the thing. He's on a jungle level. Yeah. Mm. He's pretty simple. Oh, mm. I think Ape Man is fake. I think he's fake. You sure? Yeah. Don't want to die. <laughs> That's me sicking up a gazelle. I'm dead. You win. <laughs> oh, it was Ape Hooray! Man that did him. Oh, I've never been trounced so hard in the cavern. <laughs> that was fun, though. I liked that. We should do more quick, quick fire caverns. That was good. Yeah, it was good lols. Um, quick, let's so, step over. Some other real ones. Oh, just yeah, okay. uh, before you go, I'm saying this from my grave. Uh, Plug Man. <laughs> Hard man, <laughs> top man, concrete man, and splash woman. Oh my Only god! Only female boss ever in Mega Man. Mega Man Nine. God. Anyway, splash off to purgatory. <laughs> see, you, see you later, fight man. And Anthony Hopkins. And Anthony Hopkins, the wolf. Quick, Matthew, let's escape. Through this thing. Oh, thank you very much oh. for that cavern, Nate. Phew, I'm glad we escaped. It was exhausting. God, it sounded like it was really challenging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was wild. Oh, wait, sorry, I've, I've forgotten that. Yeah, sorry, yeah, that wasn't you. That was Fight Man. Yeah, I was fight enjoying man. a sandwich out here. Yeah. We met a Fight Man who had a wolf. And some urchins and bags of knives. <laughs> I kind of sad I missed it. Yeah, it was good. Um, all that remains now then is to uh, give our recommendations uh, to the lovely viewer slash listener slash reader this week. Um, Matthew, do you want to go first? Yes. Uh, what have I watched recently? I've been reading loads of books and watching. I'm going to recommend a pretty mainstream choice, but I think it's 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 good. On ITV, mm. there is a 
crime drama on Mondays called Un Unforgotten or Unforgettable. I love Unforgotten. Unforgotten. Yeah. I'm going to recommend Unforgotten. I, it's one of my favourite, favourite cop shows, even though I ironically keep forgetting its name. Um, mm. but it's sort of like, it's a little bit cold casey. Like they investigate bodies that were killed many, many years ago and they, they're found today. And it always shows you loads of people who could be suspects for episode one. And you sort of follow their lives as well. And it will turn out to be one of them. Um, but it's just, it, it doesn't have any of the police drama like tropes in it. They're just really nice detectives who work really hard and are really supportive yeah. of each other. They haven't got like huge trauma. It's, it's just a very sympathetic, empathetic thing. Um, it's really good. I really dig it. It's very good. It's I I really enjoy it, but also like all the previous three seasons, I feel like the the cops are really nice, but like the crimes themselves end up being really depressing. Oh, they are. Well, that's always it, isn't it? And it's and it's always like four guest stars play like the four main suspects. Yeah, and they're often quite nice people. Um, often pretty good cast as well, actually. And and uh, yeah. but the, the last series was like really bleak. Um, so I'm curious to see how this one. Um, finish itself off but i think it's on netflix as well the older series so check it out yeah yeah it's good um my recommendation this week is going to be um some crochet books that i got um yeah well because i'm back on my crochet um i've been making two scarves uh so i've just been doing a big triangle and a big rectangle basically they're quite boring but I've got uh, Unicorns, Dragons, uh, and more fantasy Emigurumi books one and two. Uh, and uh, I've started making, I'm making a, a very uh, rotund little baby dragon at the moment. Uh, but they're, a lo- they're, they're quite easy and they're, they're good um, little toys you can make. So I'm making a little baby dragon. There's a little phoenix. There's uh, a medusa. There's a, a dryad and a... Um, several different types of unicorn. There's a dino corn, which is a very cute uh, dinosaur unicorn. Uh, and it's very therapeutic. And the cotton um, yarn that you need for it is quite cheap as well. So um, uh-huh. I'm going to say those. And just doing a craft generally, it's good for the, uh, good for the old soul, isn't it? Uh, lovely. Uh, Murray Bison, <laughs> what's your recommendation this week? Well, uh, on the aquarium front, um, I'm I'm just very excited about my new Australian desert gobies, um, mm. which were delivered uh, genuinely ten minutes before we started recording, and while I was trying to finish the cavern. Um, so yeah, if it sounded a little uh, a little bit hectic this week, it was uh, <laughs> because I had to desperately get some gobies into warm water. Um, but they're lovely. You saw pictures of them, didn't you, Alice? I, I mentioned them to you. Yes, I said they looked like bananas that had taken up um, flamenco dancing. And you know what, folks? She's exactly right. Um, fascinating little guys. Uh, as for my non-aquarist uh, recommendation this week, um, a book called Cage of Souls by Adrian Tchaikovsky. Um, and you might know Adrian from having written Children of Time, which is a book about uh, what if spiders got extraordinarily clever, essentially. Um, it's a fantastic sci-fi book. And this is um, a complete departure from, from that. It's something entirely different. It's this sort of mega distant future story um, that just starts off with a, a a guy in a horrible prison, uh, which is just made out of wood on a lake in a jungle. Um, and things just get weirder and weirder and weirder. Um, it's, it's extraordinarily gripping. I read it in like two sessions on a, on a trip last year. Um, and yeah, so it's a, it's a riot. Lovely stuff. Thank you. Um, well, and with that, Uh, All that remains is for us to uh, say goodbye. And thank you very much for joining us, dear listener, on this episode 131 of the Electronic Wireless Show, Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, uh, because we mostly talk about things other than PC games. (laughs) Um, 
Uh, but this has been a fun one, fellas. Thank you very much for. I think we did some actual good chat about games and game concepts this week. I'm I'm surprised yeah. at our own selves. <laughs> Extraordinarily professional. Yeah, I know. Madness. How often does this happen? Um, don't forget that you can find Rock Paper Shotgun on Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube. Just search for Rock Paper Shotgun. You can email the podcast at podcast at rockpapershotgun.com uh, if you have any suggestions or if you have made a text adventure game um, of us. Uh, and uh, don't forget yeah, to join the Discord and check out the other podcasts in the RPS podcast family. Um, got a new one launching tomorrow, excitingly. Um, yeah, I think it's tomorrow. It might be today. No, it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Um, so uh, give those a listen as well, including the uh, PC Gaming Week Spot, which is another podcast with Matthew, uh, where Matthew and Colm Ahern, our video editor, chat about the current events in games at the moment. Um, so, yeah. And of course, you're going to have to change your catchphrase if this is the only podcast you need, in my opinion, because there's loads of podcasts that you're trying to get people to listen to. Yeah, that's true, but this is the only one I'm on, so it's the best. This is one of three podcasts that I feel you need. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, but don't forget, of course, to go to www.rockpapershotgun.com for all your fun PC gaming needs. Uh, and until next week, it is goodbye from me, Alice Bell. It is goodbye from Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> goodbye, man! God. <laughs> And it's goodbye from Murray Bison. I failed to destroy you. <laughs> and presumably goodbye from Anthony Hopkins, whose uh, recent weeks has become our unofficial podcast mascot. Oh, it was exhausting being a wolf. I'm going for a nap. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>